Hi, my name is Julian, and welcome to today's episode. Today we'll be talking about China before, during, and after imperialism. Before imperialism, throughout the 1700s, China was under the Qing and Manchu dynasty, starting in 1644. This is when China was at the center of the world's economy as Europeans and Americans sought Chinese goods. During the late 1700s, China was going through internal strains, such as growing population, food taxes increasing, and more government control. This led to rebellions, which weakened the central government. Other events that happened before the start of imperialism was the Dusungar Genocide and the Sino-Burmese War. The Dusungar Genocide was a mass murder of the Mongol Dusungar people by the Qing Dynasty. The Qing Emperor ordered the genocide due to the rebellion in 1755 by the Dusungar leader against the Qing after the dynasty first conquered the Dusungar. The genocide was continued by the Machu generals of the Qing army sent to crush the Dusungars. Some scholars estimated that about 80% of the Dusungar population, or around 500,000 to 800,000 people, were killed by a combination of warfare and disease during or after the Qing conquest in 1755-1757. The Sino-Burmese War was a war fought between the Qing Dynasty of China and the Konbang Dynasty of Burma. China, under the Qing Long Emperor, launched four invasions of Burma between 1765 and 1769. Nonetheless, the war which claimed the lives of over 70,000 Chinese soldiers and four commanders is something described as the most disastrous frontier war that the Qing Dynasty had ever waged. Burma's successful defense laid the foundation for the present-day boundary between the two countries. At first, the Emperor foresaw an easy war and sent in only the Green Standard troops stationed in Yunnan. The Qing invasion came as the majority of Burmese forces were deployed in their latest invasion of Siam. However, battle-hardened Burmese troops defeated the first two invasions of 1765-1766 and 1766-1767 at the border. The regional conflict now escalated to major war that involved major maneuvers nationwide in both countries. And now, a word from our sponsors, Zaza. Do your bowels refuse to cooperate? Is pooping something that is hard for you? With Zaza, all your troubles will instantly vanish. Similar to how all the feces will instantly vanish from your system. Don't take Zaza if you have cancer or other serious illnesses. If you are allergic to immense freshness or strawberries, don't take Zaza. Zaza may cause severe bleeding from the large intestine, as well as severe chronic swelling of the buttocks. But besides that, Zaza is the way to go. Throughout the 18th and early 19th centuries, at the height of the new era of imperialism, many European nations had their sights set on the vast and bountiful land of China. Its rare resources and exports were coveted by all, and getting your hands on those resources would be a grand economic success for any country. Chinese tea, porcelain, and silk are just some of the country's valuable exports. Countries like Portugal and Turkey making attempts to enter the Chinese markets, none were as successful in breaching their well-regulated trade system in Britain. They brought Indian cotton and British silver to China in exchange for tea, porcelain, silk, and other materials. After coming to the realization that their trade system was heavily in China's favor, due to the fact that the British had a strong liking for Chinese goods and the Chinese didn't share this liking of British exports, Britain had to find a way to tip the scales. They did this by replacing Indian cotton with another, this time highly dangerous and addictive Indian crop, opium. Opium had already been introduced to China much earlier, but was used only medicinally and in small doses. 
With the introduction of smoking, as in tobacco and other products brought from Western society, opium became far more commonly used. Levels of recreational use within China skyrocketed, and addiction was starting to become a problem. Opium addiction comes with some of the worst withdrawals of any drug. The pure suffering that comes without having the drug in your system is enough to kill many innocent Chinese people. The Chinese government did everything in their power to stop this national crisis, banning production and importation as well as outlawing smoking of the drug altogether. Citizens who disobeyed this law were severely beaten. Even with these laws, the British continued to opium, import opium by smuggling it, using private Chinese dealers and under-the-counter distribution. Opium use continued to skyrocket despite the government's efforts. So, Chinese, so the Chinese government took it upon themselves to enforce these laws further. Lin Zexu's idea of targeting the dealers and suppliers rather than the Chinese people was agreed to be the best method of eradicating this issue. Him and his men arrested 1,600 Chinese dealers and destroyed 2.6 million pounds of opium, as well as taking what was left on British ships. This action is what started the first opium war, which ended in the swift and immense victory for the British, whose technology and naval forces completely overpowered that of the Chinese. The first war had an immense impact on British imperialism because it gave them control of Hong Kong, a big seaport. It gave British citizens in China the right to be governed only by British laws. It gave them access to five more ports in China, and it allowed the British to be compensated for their losses in the war. As far as its impact on, on China, the first war began the century of humiliation, as Chinese historians say, and led to a time of social turmoil and unrest within the country. It birthed the saying, if you are backward, you will take a beating. The end of imperialism in China. China had been struggling with imperialism for years. Their custom and government were destroyed as a result of it. The people of China tried many times to get rid of imperialism. They started reforms and rebellions, but none of them really worked. The beginning of the end started when the Dowager Empress sent Chinese officials to study other people's governments. When they came back, they said to completely reconstruct the government. They were heavily influenced by Japan's government and wanted something like it. The Empress ended up making reforms and made change. The change was slow, but it still worked. The revolution of 1911 happened and it removed China's current form of government and replaced it with the Republic of China. In 1949, an army of millions overthrew imperialism. The role of the natives was to be in the army. This isn't necessarily a peaceful transition, but it's something that had to be done. The United States actually helped China in this. The army was supported by them. This is serious, and I'm going to be talking about the legacy imperialism left behind in China. In modern day Chinese culture, this era of imperialism brought forth upon them by Great Britain is a topic of great shame for the country. It is taught in Chinese school books that this was a time of utter humiliation, known in Chinese as Gaoqi, which literally translates to national shame. Not only is there a nationwide stigma against this era, the era also had an immense impact on the present-day Chinese culture. In the 1930s, 50 million Chinese people were still addicted to opium. That was 10% of the population at the time. As well as the lingering effects of the opium epidemic, China also faced an interesting situation with the city of Hong Kong. The island of Hong Kong was a British colony and area of control for over a century. Only recently, in 1997, was it formally declared a Chinese state. 
Under British rule, Hong Kong was considered bilingual. This created a large language barrier amongst the Chinese, British, and Hong Kong citizens. The main two languages in Hong Kong were English and Cantonese, while most of the rest of China spoke Mandarin. As well as a language barrier, Hong Kong's economic and judicial systems were far more British-influenced than that of the rest of China, which operated in a communist society. Regarding their judicial system, Hong Kong used the method of trial by jury, which was not used in China. Overall, the results of colonialism in China were pointless and cruel. Although the events that occurred because of British imperialism may have sped up the process of mass industrialization in China, there was an absurd amount of harm and torment inflicted upon the Chinese people in the process. And without it, the Chinese would have adjusted to a modern society in a more peaceful and harmless manner.